All right, good morning, everybody. I am Fred, and I usually am at the Gettysburg Pike campus, but I love being here in a little more of an intimate setting. You'll find that I'm a little bit more country and a little more, you know, casual uh, in things. So I was told by Pastor Sean that you guys are kind of a casual group, too, so I think uh, it's a good mix here. So um, I have enjoyed the Awakening series, and I, I expect some of you really have been loving it, too, and learning about the prodigal son. And today, today's message is titled Awakening to Help, Awakening to Help. And as, as we look at the prayer that we've been praying over these uh, past few weeks, we're going to look at it this way. Um, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the willingness to turn toward you for help. You see that? Today's message, awaken in me the willingness to turn towards you for help. Now, we had a pretty big storm a few weeks ago, right? What did we get, 30 inches of snow or so? That um, kind of awakened in us the need for help from our neighbors. Hopefully, you got some help, but also maybe gave some help as well. Um, Well, a little bit about me. I grew up outside of Buffalo, so 30 inches of snow, that's kind of like a dusting for us, all right? Um, In fact, a year and a half ago or so, right before uh, Thanksgiving of 2014, the zip code that my parents still live, where I grew up, of Colesville, New York, it's a town of about 100 people outside of Buffalo, received in one storm 88 inches, okay? So... Yeah, 30 inches. Oh, yeah, that was a lot, okay? <laughs> now, you might, the, the, the figure of the man, uh, that's a seven-foot-tall basketball player. So 88 inches is actually four inches over a seven-foot-tall basketball player. Now, what does that look like? Um, well, look at the houses, all right? And understand the windows you are seeing are the second stories, okay? Um, you know, it just kind of blows and fills in, and then you're buried, 88 inches. So for that year, 2014-15 winter, they got 155 inches of snow for the whole winter. That's over 13 feet. What in the world? Why do people live up there? I don't know. But when I ask myself that, I remember it's because of the awesome sports teams that they have up there, right? No, all right? I have prayed and prayed to God, please remove this fandom of being a Bills fan from me. Remove it, but I need a 100% blood transfusion to get it out of me. It's just who I am, and I've just, I've given it up to God. But it is true, you know, when I see God, um, I'm not going to ask him about how this whole predestination and free will, all that all fits together. I'm going to say, why, Buffalo God? Why, why, why? Why did you put me there? But um, that backdrop of Buffalo and snow is the, the uh, background, the setting for one of my most holy moments as a, as a husband, I want to tell you about, because... Um, I was, I was in graduate school as an engineer. I'm actually schooled in, um, before I went into ministry as an engineer. And I was in, in this really difficult class. It was very theoretical. And my uh, professor was, he was a Russian who they're very well known for being theoreticians. And I had this huge paper, which was like 75% of my grade. And it was due on Monday. And I was really, really struggling with it. And for some reason, I can't quite remember, we needed to go up and see my family in Buffalo in February. And, you know, that's just not when you want to go to Buffalo. Uh, Look at the picture, okay? Well, my parents have a driveway that's almost a quarter of a mile long. And we we had just gotten a, a snow that was about six inches, which, again, that's a dusting, right? So... But when you are turning off the road into a quarter mile of unplowed six inches, you got to know how to drive in snow. And I do, but you got to be aggressive with that. So, so I'm burning up my driveway and it's pretty awesome. But I was, I was already frustrated with having to write this paper and struggling with that. And I think we were late too. And I get to the end and, you know, you got to come to a stop so you don't crash into the garage. So I did that. And as soon as I hit the brakes and I knew it, 
I was stuck. All right? And because the snow just kind of, the, the tires plow up, and, and I'm like, ah. My wonderful wife's sitting next to me, and I'm putting in reverse. Put in drive. And I'm just getting steamer, steamier and steamier, and I'm getting more stuck and more stuck. And my awesome, just godly woman of a wife says, is there anything I can do, sweetheart? Right? She's sitting right over there, if you know her. She's just, that's her heart to help. And without skipping a beat, without even looking at her, I just said, yeah, lay under the tires. (laughs) Now, that was 20 years ago. We're still married, okay? I went from being physically stuck to being proverbially stuck as well, all right? Now, I've... I've apologized multiple times, and we can laugh about it now, right, sweetie? We can laugh. Okay, that's funny. You hear other people laughing. It wasn't, it really wasn't funny at the time, though. And, um, you know, I just, I wasn't quite ready to accept her offer of help at that moment, was I? Um, Well, sometimes the stakes are a little higher, though, not just being physically stuck. Uh, Sometimes there's a lot more of life at stake, and the thing we need to realize is not only do we hurt ourselves when we don't ask for help, but we also hurt others in that whole process. And we're going we're gonna to look at um, these stakes, and, and we're going to look at the prodigal son, and we're going to zoom in on uh, the decision point that he makes of realizing his need for help, awakening to his help. Um, so just recapping the story of the prodigal son, as told in uh, Luke 15, uh, Jesus tells this beautiful, beautiful parable, a, a story uh, that of a father and two sons. And the father, he's a, he's a good father, but the, the younger son goes to the father and, and says one day, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. Now, I've got two boys, and if my son came to me and said, I kind of wish you were dead, Dad, but since you're not, can I have my stuff now? Because I just want out of here. Um, that would kind of hurt. Uh, so we can, we can picture that. And, and the dad says, well, um, son, it's not what I want to do, but okay, here it is. And the son takes it and leaves and goes to a foreign land. And he just lives it up. He parties it up and blows the money like there's no tomorrow. And frankly, he runs out of money. And he realizes, um, especially when a famine then hits the land, that he's, he's at the end of his rope. He's totally broke. And he hires himself out to a, a pig farmer, which the story is being told to the Jewish religious leaders. And, and he's a Jew, this, this son. So pigs in the Jewish culture are unclean. So for him to hire himself out to a pig farmer is just the lowest of lowest positions that you could have in that, in that culture. And he's so broke that he's got nothing to eat, and he's hungering. His, his job is to feed the pigs, and he's wanting to eat the food that's being given to the pigs. And finally, he realizes, he says, what am I doing? My father takes such good care of his servants. I'm going home. And he does. And he's thinking the whole way, because I'm sure it was a long journey, oh, my dad is going to be so upset with me, and he's not going to welcome me back, and, but I'm just going to go and tell him that I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. And he does that, and he says, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm not worthy to be your son, but please hire me back as a servant. And his father, his father sees him actually coming, and he runs out to him, arms wide open, and embraces him and, and calls for the, the best robe to be put on his son and to, throws a huge banquet because his son that was lost is now found. And it's just this beautiful story. But there's the other son too. The other son who was who stayed home, who did what he had to do and kept his nose clean and all that, he's angry now. He's saying, he says, your son who went and squandered everything, why are you throwing a party for him? When I'm the good son, throw it for me. I'm the one who should be honored. And the father says to the older son, your brother was dead. Now he's alive. Come into the party. 
We don't know that he did. Uh, that's where the story ends. But um, we're going to zoom in today on the point where the, the younger son awakens to his need for help. So if you could, please take out your outline. You have an outline uh, if you picked up a bulletin. And we're going to look at Luke 15, verse 20, the, the first part of it mainly. And it's only uh, six, eight, it's eight words. He got up and went to his father. It's pretty simple, pretty basic. Not a whole lot there, you'd think. Okay, prodigal son, he's wanting to eat with the pigs. And it says he got up and went to his father. So let's take a look at this, though, that there's actually three things, three phases, three transitions in our soul going through this awakening to this realization that we need the help of our Heavenly Father. And the first uh, point in your outline is that awakening to help involves a decision. It involves a decision. Here this son was, he, he totally slapped his family, his father in the face, complete disrespect. So you might say that that relationship is, it's broken. It's done. And then he goes out, blows all the money, and then he realizes, I need help. I need help. Now, I'm sure none of you have ever been in that position, right? All of your relationships are totally fine and healthy and great, right? I mean, everybody is just so loving and and perfect at the Good Hope Road campus. That's what we hear um, under Pastor Sean's leadership, right? Um, no, we know none of us are perfect. We've all made selfish mistakes um, that, that hurt others. I was waiting for my wife to say, amen. All right. But, um, you know, at some point, we've got we've to make this decision that I need, I need to make this right somehow. I need to go back and and fix this. So we, you know, we need to eat a big old piece of humble pie, right? Um, so the prodigal son is a great example for us in, in that. And last week, Pastor Sean said, we, we always have a choice, and the choice we make matters, right? We always have a choice to stay where you're at or to get up. And that's what the prodigal son does at this point. He gets up. So now... Do you ever ask yourself that then or get to that point to say, boy, I need help? But then what do you do? Who do you ask? Well, in the fall, we were praying uh, through this series, and um, you know, we had these, these bookmarks, these, uh, these prayer lists here, and it's, it's a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer. You see it up on, the, on the, the monitors here. Father, you are great and you are good. Now look at, look at this next sentence. This is a prayer. This is the decision point to say, I need your help. Father God, I need your help. But notice it doesn't stop there. They need your help. I need your help. They need your help. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we get to that point, you know, that, that decision point to get up, that's so important. It's so important. But then what? What's the next thing that we need to do? Well, let's, let's watch, a, watch a little video clip here that I think will give us a little more insight into um, what's next. Whoa, that's not good. Need this. I'm already late. Somebody will come. Anybody out there? Do you have a phone? No. Sorry. Somebody! Hello? There are two people stuck on an escalator and we need help. Now, would somebody please do something? believe this you gotta be kidding me <laughs> i'm gonna cry <laughs> well there's nothing else left to do is it
Hey, don't worry about it. I'll fix it in a second. <laughs> he said he can fix it. <laughs> All right. All right. That's more like it. He says he can fix it. just get up you gotta do something right take a next step so when our soul awakens to help we need to make that decision but take that step but what direction awakening to help involves number two a direction so you've got to make that decision and start doing something but what direction now the question is um what direction is your life heading? See, the, the prodigal son, he came to that point where he realized going this direction, bad. I got to turn around and I got to go back to the father. Right? Now, a lot of us, frankly, prodigal son story is beautiful. We get it. But many of us haven't exactly gone and just thrown our lives away and our money with prostitutes and drugs and alcohol and lived that life. Now, some have. So some of you may actually be really uh, just tracking with this, this story and this whole series and, and just really relating to it. But, but a lot of us are probably saying, yeah, I, I get the prodigal son thing, but, mm, you know, that's not me, right? Well, as we look through God's eyes, though, Okay, through God's lenses, we've got to understand if there is any direction, no matter what it is, that's going away from God, that's a prodigal son story. Right? Myself, um, as an engineer, I was very excited about making money. Okay? And a lot of that wasn't really leading me to God. And there's another guy I want you to uh, meet. Uh, his name's Tony Victor, fellow daybreaker, mainly goes to the good, uh, the Gettysburg Pike campus. So I told a few folks that um, this is his first time here this morning, so you can haze him, okay? Um, and uh, now he does have a little beef up here, so be careful. But uh, just a awesome brother in Christ uh, that I've gotten to know over the past couple of years. And, um, you know, we kind of both were living the American dream, I think. Right, Tony? That's just, right, yes. You know, I want to hear the rest of your story, though, of wasn't necessary, necessarily prostitutes and alcohol and all that, but uh, what, what were you chasing? Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, the way my story kind of started was back in 1990. I was 17 years old, and I pretty much thought I knew just about everything, you know. So... I had, a, I had a teacher in my class during high school that, I'll never forget what it says, his name was Mr. Wenzel, and he was kind of like my, my arch nemesis of teacher, so he really, we never really saw eye to eye on a lot of things, but the one thing that really stuck with me to this day and probably will forever is that he told our class that there, you know, there's many things that uh, he will teach us in that class that when we walk out the door, we'll never remember again. But there was one thing for certain he knew that was true, and he wanted us to remember, and that was that without God in our lives, we will struggle and fail. Mm. Without God in our lives, we will struggle and fail. And me, knowing everything, and really at that point in my life, I didn't really have God in my life. Um, you know, I kind of just took that as a challenge. Okay, let's go. Maybe I don't need God in my life. So it wasn't like... I had a, a bad childhood or I didn't have a, a, a beautiful, loving family that I grew up with. I mean, we had those things. Um, you know, I, I went to Bible school. I said my prayers at night. But I just didn't, you know, as I grew up, I just, we didn't practice it. We didn't go to church. So it was just something that I was growing away from. And, um, you know, I, I, I grew up with my family. And the one thing I really took away from my parents was that out of, 
all their brothers and sisters. My mom was a very hardworking woman that took care of, all, of us all. She stayed at home. And my father was a, a blue-collar worker that went to work every day. When he got home, he expected to have his, his dinner on the table. And they stuck together um, through thick and thin. They're still together today. And, and I think next year, it'll be 50 years, which is pretty phenomenal. But when you look at their brothers and sisters, um, three on my mom's side and four on my father's side, they all battled through divorces and broken families and I just, that's just something that really stuck with me from them. Um, so when, when Mr. Wenzel dropped that bomb on me at that time, you know, I, I was like, well, I have, you know, I've kind of gone this long without him. Why would I need him? You know, so I kind of turned my back on God, and that was the day I started building, you know, a wall between us brick by brick. And, you know, some, from that point on, I kind of lived my life uh, the way I wanted to live it. And there was good times and bads, and and looking back now, I know that there was times when he was tapping me on the shoulder trying to get my attention. And, and there was other times, you know, looking back, that he had a sledgehammer. And he would smack me on the head, you know, trying to get my attention. And, I, you know, I just, I just wasn't listening, you know. I had that wall up, and I, was, I just wasn't listening. And, uh, you know, I was just way too busy worried about building that wall around the kingdom of me. And that's how I was living my life. And at that time in my kingdom, I, I was blessed with my beautiful wife, Michelle, and she became my queen, and she had her career, and I was starting my own business at that time. My business was growing, and not only was my business growing at that time, but our, our family was growing. And at that time, I think I was probably out of, out of, uh, out of town for two years when we, our first child came along, and then when Owen came along, it was, we were going on almost four years where Michelle was pretty much a, a single mom at home. And, and, you know, I just didn't know where I even fit in anymore when I came home on the weekends. And I felt like everything that I was, all the wealth and the cool things that I was, you know, getting out of working my tail off out there, thinking I was doing the right thing, providing for my family, I realized the more and more I was out there, I was losing the very thing that I was working so hard for, um, a family that I, I didn't even know sometimes how to even fit in or, when I came home on the weekends, and I just, you know, I just felt like I was losing my soul, and, and at that very same time was when, uh, through greed and envy and, and uh, jealousy, um, my company was betrayed in a way by someone that was very close to me at heart, and that was something that, once again, I couldn't, it was really hard for me to get through, and I found myself in a hotel room on my knees turning to God and praying, no, please, <laughs> I need help. And even before I did that, he already played, he placed somebody in our lives that was ready to help us. And I didn't even know that she was there to help us. And her name was Katie Logue. And she, she goes to daybreak and uh, uh, just an amazing girl that at that time, uh, you know, it, was, it, it really wasn't that she came to our life as much as that we were dropping our kids off into hers. She was a day or a daycare giver, and our kids. She would take care of our kids from, I mean, the time they were born, and she went off to a new opportunity, and but then she was able. Everything worked out in an amazing way where she was placed in our lives, and she came into our home as a nanny while I was away, and she was able to see and become a part of our family, and she was able to see how. We were struggling, and, and the issues I was going through, and, and, and Michelle, and, and after, uh, after a few months of, of seeing this, you know, talking to Michelle, and Michelle, you know, badgering me for like four months about this daybreak thing, right? You know, I, I finally got to a point where I made that decision, where I was like, yeah, it's time. I need something in my life. I need something positive, and... Uh, so that's when we came to daybreak, and it was, it was Easter almost four years ago. And, you know, when I walked in there, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, every kind of church I ever, I went to church uh, for weddings and funerals, and, you know, I really didn't have a connection at any of them. And when I walked in there, not knowing what to expect, I was received in a way that only God would receive you with love and open arms. Like every single person there, was had a smile or a warm handshake or a beautiful thing to say to me, 
You know I mean? How, how amazing is that? So that was beautiful. And, you know, she, my family, I mean, tired. they didn't care where I came from, who I was, what I'd been through. They were just happy to see me, and they told me that. Uh, so I remember sitting down, finding my seat, taking a seat, and just like with an open heart, with an open mind. And, I mean, I was, I was pretty broken, and, you know, I was pretty humble, and I was, I was just, just wanting to take it all in and see what this was really all about. And I noticed, um, you know, it was a beautiful sermon by, by Pastor Joel and, and the singing and the band. I mean, it was really beautiful. But the one thing that st- still sticks with me is witnessing the baptisms. Mm-hmm. It was so wonderfully beautiful and so pure that people would just right in front of me right then not caring about anything else, about giving their lives over to God. And with, <laughs> with tears coming down my face, I just realized, you know, I just sat there thanking God for this moment. Thank you for, for letting me come back to you. Your son has returned. Mm. And, you know, the one thing I want to mention in all this also in closing is that, um, you know, I know there's, there's a bunch of Katie's out there that, you know, it comes really easy to asking people or reaching out to people to bring them in and bring them back to God. And there's other Katie's that it's not so easy. You know, you need a little bit of a push or, you know, all you got to do is really give faith that what you're going to say to them is God's words to them and let God talk through you to really, really help them see him and reach out your hand and have them come here because I tell you what, there's a lot of Tonys out there too. And, and we need you. So... I just want to thank you, and God bless you all, and thank you for letting me share my story this morning. Amen. Thank you. That is a beautiful story, isn't it? You know, uh, again, just a guy coming to the point of realizing, awakening to this need for help and um, crying out to God, and God providing the direction. Uh, through Katie. Katie and Jeff were here in the first service, just sitting right back there. And um, just to know that, um, you know, she she saw this this couple and this family just, just needing to be pointed in that direction. Um, the number two point in the outline, direction. So he got up and he went to his father. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, now, how many of us, though, are, are again, just stuck in that American, chasing that American dream, you know? Because our culture says you need a big house and a nice car or two cars or three cars and all this stuff and big, 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 big and stuff, 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 right? Um, but we got we to gotta be counterculture in that and, and get things into balance and understand that our relationship with him, first and foremost, is what's important. And then with our spouse or our family, our kids, um, and then, you know, being a good, healthy part of a church and loving our neighbors and our coworkers and things like that and being lights in um, the world for, for Christ. And the Apostle Paul wrote to the, the church at Rome in uh, chapter 12. It's in your outline here. And it says, Paul says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Get that direction set, the compass pointed towards God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops one well-formed maturity in you. You know, I'm, I'm an officer. I was an officer in the Army, and I love maps and just uh, looking at them and studying them. And not even one, uh, I don't even have to be going anywhere if I'm sometimes... I'm just going through a gas station, and they still have some printed maps, and I'll just pull one out, and I'll look at it. I'm like, wow, that is so cool. I love this. Um, I know that's kind of weird, and I know not everybody's map people, but um, especially when I was in the Army and charting a course, I wanted to know what are some of the mile markers and what are some of the, the 
the landmarks that when we see this, we know we're on track and we're making progress here. And, um, you know, one of the keys in our spiritual life is we're going to see our life and the, the way we, we worship God and interact with God and the way people respond to us. We're, these are going to be mile markers along the way for us to, to see, yes, we're making progress. We're growing in our faith and knowledge of God. And, and you know, Tony, uh, it's just been a blessing to, to see Tony over these past couple of years of knowing him, to see him growing and seeking after God and, and knowing him. And I'm, I'm leading a class at the, the Gettysburg Fight Campus called The Story of Hope. And it's, a, it's just an, an overview of the Bible, starting right in the beginning and just walking through some key things and events. And um, I love teaching it because it, it just... It helps people to see how it's all one big story that fits together. God's beautiful uh, love story, story of hope. But um, one of the things I realized is um, Tony, Tony, he, he's got a Bible, but it's, it's just one that it, it doesn't have a lot of other um, information in it and things. And, and I know for a guy that's just learning about these things and growing in his faith, a, a good, solid uh, study Bible is important to, to help in his study. So... Tony, you need to come at, come on back up here, brother, because I have something for you. Um, it's a roadmap. And we were joking in the first service because I gave this to him already. Um, <laughs> and I said, we've, now we've got to reenact this. And we both were pretty... Um, caught up about this, and uh, here we are again, brother. <laughs> um, this is not an act, all right? I love this guy so much, and, um, you know, just knowing what, how God's blessed my life, and knowing that uh, it's a journey we're on together, brother. And um, so here it is. Here's your roadmap. And um, I uh, just wrote a little something in here. It says, Tony... May the Lord richly bless you and your, and your family as you seek and serve him. Exclamation point. I'm supposed to be yelling that. Um, <laughs> looking forward to walking the path with you, my brother in Christ, for his glory spread with today's date. And um, I truly mean that. Uh, we're walking this together. And, and that's the beauty of Tony's story is, you know, the Katie and Jeff Logue have, have uh, just been pointing, Michelle and Amy, but um, uh, Michelle, and Amy, Michelle and Tony, um, don't Whatever. know where Amy came from. <laughs> we probably just keep moving, keep this thing moving. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and um, yeah, <laughs> Michelle and Michelle and Tony. Uh, but the body of Christ is a beautiful thing. That it's 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 everybody moving together and helping each other move to God together. I'm just so thankful to be a part of this, and uh, I do truly love you and look Good. forward to what God has in store for us together. Thank you. All right? All right. Thank you. Um, so the, the final thing as we look here at our, our point three, that awakening to help involves a, this decision to get up, the direction and taking those steps, but um, finally, number three is a, it. Uh, it requires a destination. Um, there's a lot of people who are out there walking, but uh, they're not walking towards the Father, and uh, they're just going in circles or they're going away. And um, the verse says he got up and went to his Father. And the beautiful thing is that again, his Father was looking and he was ready. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. And uh, we can see it, see it there. You know, the, the father and, and the son just coming together. And again, the son was so broken saying, I've sinned against you in, in heaven. And the father says, oh, you were dead, but you are now alive. And I really, I really do, um, I want to know. Um, I, think, I think today there are, there are some here this morning uh, that are in the position of the son that you just need to make that decision just to get up and go to him. 
go to God, um, just broken, because he's looking, he's waiting, and is running to you. Um, and the, the beauty is, again, that we need to realize that awakening to this help is that the help has a name, and it's Jesus Christ. But the beauty is it, uh, the name of Jesus Christ and the body, the body of believers in Jesus Christ, his church, and how he provided Katie for Michelle and Tony, or Amy, call them Amy if you'd like. <clears throat> but it's, it's amazing, it's beautiful, and that's what God does. That's what God does. And I believe there's Tonys here, there's also Tonys out there, right? And there's Katies here. We're the Katies. We are the arms of God. And we are poised here on the Easter season. We're four weeks from Easter today. And Tony's, Tony's um, uh, story was that it was Easter Sunday when he first came, when he first showed up. And our culture is primed for that, that Easter is such a, it's, people have such an awareness of it, and, and they, God has put in us this hunger for him that even those who don't know him yet, they have that hunger, and that's, a, that's an opportunity for us to say, there is help, and his name is Jesus. Come with me. Come with me, would you? We have the communion table set here this morning, and this is a beautiful picture of Jesus saying, I love you. This is what I did for you. If our communion servers could come up now and also our prayer partners, what I'd, what I'd like you to do this morning, I truly believe God is speaking to people here this morning, um, both that, just like Tony, may have been crying out and you, you're here this morning and, and saying, I'm ready. Um, well, we, we have some folks that, are, that they want to pray with you about that this morning and to help you understand what a relationship with God really looks like. And, um, but we also, I want to I challenge those who already have a good, strong relationship with God to be looking through His eyes and seeing the world in a different way, to see those who are hurting, that are stuck chasing the dollar, or maybe in other difficult situations. They may be strung out on whatever, drug or alcohol or whatever. And we can go to them and say, there's help, there's hope. Stand up with me and come with me. I will walk this journey with you. I know it is a hurting world out there. It is hurting. And we, as the body of Christ, are his and hands to bring that message of hope. So what we're going to do, however God's leading you, if you'd like to come for prayer, um, everybody's going to, we'll get up and go along the sides and then you can stop for prayer. We've got some seats, just hang out. And I want to I say that um, next week, uh, Pastor Sean and Susie will be having that lunch. And um, if you have plans already today, go ahead and wait till next week. But I also knew that today would be a special day and uh, with this invitation that I wanted to make myself available for lunch to talk with any of you. And uh, I'm heading over to Al's right across 81. Um, if God really is leading you and, and you want to talk more, um, I'm available as long as needs today. And lunch is on me. Uh, now, if all you show up, that's great. Um, God, God will provide. I trust that, um, and I'd, I'd love to help you along your journey as well. So as we, um, as we go into this time of communion, go ahead and come on up, and um, we're going to take communion together. So come up and get the, uh, the bread and the, and the uh, it's juice, uh, but the, um, the bread and the blood uh, representing Christ did for us. Let me just pray to open this time. Father God, we praise you so much, and we thank you that, Lord, your arms are open 
are running towards. Help us to truly understand what that means. To just fall into your arms. Also, Lord, help us to know that we as the body of believers also are your arms. And that just like Katie did, that she looked beyond the risk of possibly losing her job and breaking a relationship, but saw this hurting family needing your help right at that point. She did what she needed to do at that moment. She said, come with me. Let me take you to the Father. So Lord, help us to pray about those opportunities and to, to see and to do that in a loving way. And as we come to commune around your table, help us to be one body, unified in worship of you. In Jesus' name. You can't. 
says that Jesus Christ became sin who knew no sin so that we could become his righteousness. You don't understand how that could be, but that's the truth. And the cross of Jesus Christ represents what he did for us. And this representation of his body and his blood being broken so that we could have communion amazing So now as one body, let us remember this. Let me pray. God, awaken in us the willingness to turn towards you for help and to point others to you as well. Many of us find ourselves in a valley this morning and we need a renewed vision of you, Lord, our Heavenly Father, to clear our mind and appoint our soul towards you. Help us, Lord, like prodigal son to get up and to turn towards you and to start walking as we come to this communion table this morning. Thank you so much, Lord, for preparing it for us, for without you, we would not be able to do it, but also for awakening us the need for it, for your help, and Lord, that being the help that only your scarred hands body and the blood of Christ broken for you. God is good. God is good. And it's been a beautiful morning of, of worship, just of knowing, seeing, hearing what God is doing, has done. And um, But this isn't just for enter entertainment. This is because God has work for us to do. And he's working in us and through us. And I'd like you to take out your response card now, please. And um, in every bulletin there should be a response card and I want you to to think and reflect over the next couple of songs of what has been God been speaking to you this morning about uh, for some of you I I believe that it's time to get up get up and start walking towards God and uh, if it is write that down just write I need to get up or I want to walk towards God 
and we can help you do that. Um, perhaps you know somebody who's stuck, who's just spinning those wheels, and they're putting it in drive and putting it in reverse, and they're just going deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, write down that I want to pray for them, you know, that you're praying, and we want to pray with you in that. And especially as we enter this Easter season of uh, thinking how to invite somebody and when, um, and just how to show them that love so that they don't see this as, you know, just, oh, I'm just going to go to church on Easter. But they really see this is opening the door to a relationship with God that will change lives. And think about this young couple here, Tony and Michelle, and the, the kids that are being raised now in a, a godly home. They're not perfect, not by any means, nor is my house. But raising a family with God is so much different than without. And the impact that that may have on their kids and their kids. Now is the time. Now is the time. I already told you I'm going to lunch at Al's, but remember next week as well, and you can write next on there for next week with Pastor Sean. And uh, we'd also love to know if you it's time for you to be baptized. You can write that on there as well, as Mel said. Um, again, as we enter this time of just praying and, and how we want to respond or how we should respond to God, let me just pray that the Spirit guides us. Father God, help us not just to have come to this morning and just to sit here for an hour or so and just to go home as if nothing happened. But Lord, change us, work in us, use us, open our eyes awaken in us this need for your help and also to be providing help. Lord, we praise you so much. And we pray for the will to be done. Guide us.
went all the way to the cross for us. He conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave so that we could have life. That is the full extent of his love for us. Let these words be your heart. Let this be <laughs> your anthem to him, thanking him for what he's done for us. Your love reached all the way. 
To all of our regular attenders and our members, um, not our final act of worship, but yet a beautiful act of worship is through our generosity and our giving. And so please remember to put your tithes and offerings as well as your response cards in those boxes as you leave. And if you are new to giving or prefer to give electronically, there is a giving kiosk in the lobby. And we've invited Fred to please close us out, not just over our uh, offering, but just in a word of encouragement and benediction. Amen. Thank you. It has been such a blessing to be here. And uh awesome to be able to just worship and offer these things uh, before our Lord. So uh, pray with me now, please. Father, see us, Lord, and, and please continue to provide for our needs. Lord, uh, make us wholly dependent on you alone. Lord, we now we give you our tithes, giving of the things that you've given us, but Lord, also we lift up, lift up our life, our whole life, all of our life, Lord, as an offering to you. May you be pleased with it. May it be a sweet aroma to you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And now, as you go your day, I pray that you'd be blessed and keep these thoughts in your heart. Lord, let me find your light in my darkness, your life in my death, your joy in my sorrow, your grace in my sin, your riches in my poverty, and your glory in my valley. Amen. May you be blessed.